welcome to the Hollywood to Hollywood podcast with your host, Emma and Jake D'Souza. Hello. This week, the title of our episode is Ulterior Motives. And the reason behind this title is the recent political discourse and political fallout that we have seen here in Northern Ireland, centering around recent tactics of political unionism. It has been a difficult time for the people of Northern Ireland. We have, you know, officially Brexit has happened and the Northern Ireland Protocol is being implemented. But there was very little preparation done in order to ensure that the Northern Ireland Protocol would be as seamless as possible. So we've had a lot of difficulty in ensuring that that process and the procedures around it happen properly implemented. So there's a lot of discourse, a lot of struggling to deal with the consequences of Brexit. And let's be real here. We all knew there were going to be negative consequences. It's why the majority of Northern Ireland's political parties didn't support Brexit didn't campaign for it and uh, are doing their best to try to find a solution that leaves us free from the worst consequences of Brexit. Which brings me to the parties that did campaign for Brexit. That would be the Democratic Unionist Party. Surprise, surprise. And they have been really in the news lately. It seems almost as if they do not want to take responsibility for the creation of the Irish sea border. I wonder why they might not want to do that. What do you think? Maybe because it makes unionists feel like they are now disconnected from the rest of the UK and as they are the democratic unionist party, that might not have been the best uh, the best way to proceed with Brexit. But hey, who are we to assume? That's right. Of course, there were other alternatives to the Northern Ireland Protocol, but the DUP... They didn't, you know, they turned down every single possible solution. So any better options that were on the table were deemed not uh, not suitable. suitable. Um, and the Northern Iron Protocol is what we were left with, and it is law. It is a binding legal procedure or process or protocol or whatever you want to call it that is now in place. So. It's not going anywhere. All we can do is try to make it work as best we can. Now, let's start to digest or go through some of the recent uh, chaos that we've seen here in Northern Ireland. It starts with graffiti. Yeah, I've seen graffiti pop up uh, sporadically uh, over the time that I've lived here. But I feel like recently it's maybe I'm just paying more attention now, but it's particularly vulgar and uh, abusive. There has been a rise in intimidating uh, graffiti that's been popping up. Recently, we saw graffiti such as uh, RIP GFA, delightful. That, well, that's that just makes me sad. <laughs> I know, it is sad. But we have to remember when talking about um, these particular issues that there was always uh, groups within Northern Ireland that did not support the Good Friday Agreement. And they haven't went away. They're still there actively trying to undermine it. And I think that many of those groups that were against the Good Friday Agreement see what's happening now as an opportunity to try and maybe undermine or break down some of its protections. And unfortunately for them, the Good Friday Agreement is an internationally binding peace treaty that can't be undone by graffiti. Um, <laughs> and it also can't be done by any kind of intimidation or violence or threats. No. Because the Good Friday Agreement belongs to the people and uh, it ain't going anywhere, guys. Exactly. No matter how many uh, colorful pictures you draw. 
You know, we did see um, K-A-T uh, graffiti yeah. uh, recently. And actually, I remember seeing on social media a number of young people that said that they were tired of feeling like they weren't welcome in their own home. And it really kind of broke my heart, you know, because there's just there is that feeling as an Irish citizen in Northern Ireland that it you, you aren't welcome uh, to some people, you know, like I myself have experienced elected unionist representatives telling me that if I want to be so Irish, I can just go on across the border and live in the South. And it's difficult to see young people growing up under that environment as well, still feeling that sort of um, environment where they're not welcome and this is their home. So it was quite sad to see people feeling that way. Yeah. Uh, And to me, it feels even beyond not feeling welcome. I mean, some of those statements are literally calls for like extermination. I know. It's awful. I, I just can't imagine anywhere else. It's it's shocking to think that this kind of language can be posted publicly uh, and there not have been already those responsible being sought after. I mean, are they even being pursued? Who Do knows? I mean, it's pretty unlikely. We saw the same sort of graffiti popping up on recent bonfires around the 12th. And it's just almost seems like something that Irish citizens and, and Catholics in Northern Ireland are just expected to put up with. That's insane. Um, that it's just, you know, something that we have to live with is this kind of intimidation. Um, and it's really disappointing. But moving on from that um, to back to the Good Friday Agreement. So we were talking about how there's these groups that, you know, they have never agreed to the Good Friday Agreement. They've never supported it. I'm thinking of one particular person um, on social media and <laughs> N with an N um, who, you know, is calling for the Good Friday Agreement to be scrapped, who's calling for the institutions to be collapsed, who's calling for Stormont to be collapsed, to collapse the assembly, has never supported the Good Friday Agreement, is claiming the Northern Ireland Protocol breaches the Good Friday Agreement. How you square that circle? I don't know. <laughs> it's almost as if those who openly um, are against the Good Friday Agreement and are simultaneously claiming to be the arbiters of the Good Friday Agreement because some part of the Northern Ireland Protocol somehow breaches it, although that's not been established in any court of law mm-hmm. or any legal argument brought forward to put that to bring that forward. Yeah, um, like they don't think we can see through that. No, I I don't know if they really think that far ahead. I think they just. I think I don't think they really care. I don't think they care if anyone believes them. They just know that this is what they could get away with. This is the argument they can make, and they make it. Um, yeah, and actually talking about those who don't support the Good Friday Agreement, this is a reminder that the DUP never supported the Good Friday Agreement. And the current First Minister, Arlene Foster, actually resigned from the UUP and joined the DUP over her opposition to the Good Friday Agreement. And that is her first minister. That, like, someone that polarizing should not be the representative of this, especially a place like this. That's crazy. And so here we are. And maybe when we're talking about the subject of ulterior motives, uh, maybe we can see there might have been an ulterior motive with the DUP supporting Brexit and campaigning for it. Maybe on some level they were hoping that Brexit would mean a border on the island of Ireland again and bring them closer to the rest mm. of the United Kingdom. No. But it did not turn out that way. No. Do you remember back whenever the DUP was propping up 
the Tories back when it was Theresa May's government and the, the he increase in searches for who are the DUP from the rest exactly. of the United Kingdom was massive. Like there were so many people who had no idea who they were. And then when they looked them up and discovered they were who they are, uh, were a little bit appalled that yeah. they had any kind of influence uh, within the rest of the British government, although they didn't actually make use of any of that influence to achieve a Brexit that might have been more appropriate for Northern Ireland, considering that the people here didn't vote for Brexit. Mm. Instead of advocating for a soft Brexit that could have, you know, given us a better situation, they stuck to the line of hard Brexit, hoping that it would lead to the eventual hardening of, I think, the border in Northern Ireland. But... As I say, it did not turn out that way for the DUP, and they have now found themselves floundering. Every single year that passes, political unionism shrinks. Its base shrinks. It has lost the majority in the Assembly. It has lost the majority at Westminster. Recent polls suggest that it's just going to get smaller and smaller. Why is that? Well, there was a quite interesting... um, There's a group of focus groups done by a new pro-union campaign group called Uniting UK. And they actually had some really interesting research that came back from that. Um, The focus groups were all young women um, and groups that, young people and young women, groups that often aren't properly represented. Definitely. So they discussed with them, well, what do you think unionism is? And they were unforgiving (laughs) in their... Uh, sharing of their views of what they think of when they think of unionism. It was, you know, backwards looking, regressive. One uh, respondent stated that it was an old idea for old men. Oh, it's just such a, I like that quote. Uh, But it was actually a really interesting piece of research. And I do think that the pro-union campaign group um, is doing something that the rest of political unionism seems incapable of doing, which is looking to the terms of the Good Friday Agreement, uh, you know, doing a positive campaign that is inoffensive, that isn't, you know, trying to stoke tensions or drive division, but actually trying to unify people. And I think that that's refreshing. And I look forward to, to, you know, working in opposition, I think, a little bit with that campaign group, but I love a healthy debate. And I think that whilst we both have different opinions on the constitutional future of this island, it's great to have them on board. And I look forward to them, the, the discussions and the the insight that they will bring to conversations. Definitely. So moving on to what has been the tactics, the recent tactics of the DUP? How are they going to deal with their floundering, uh, you know, numbers in the polls, the support that is dwindling, and the fact that they have brought an Irish sea border uh, to the table for unionism? They decided that, much like Brandon Lewis, the Secretary of State for Northern Ireland, who is denying that an Irish sea border even exists, that they would try to absolve themselves from any responsibility or accountability for having created the Irish sea border in the first place. And by doing that, they've tried many different tactics. First, they have tried to blame all of the Remain parties, that's the SDLP, Alliance and Sinn Féin, for the Irish sea border by saying that they actually brought the Irish sea border because they supported the Northern Ireland Protocol. Well, yes, the Northern Ireland Protocol was the only option on the table. <laughs> there was no other option. And, you they know, stuck to it. 
<laughs> they're sticking to that line. <laughs> but like, what is the other option, guys? If you, you know, OK, you can oppose the Northern Ireland Protocol and say we ignore for a second. That that's literally the law uh, and ignore that fact. Like, what is the alternative it is, honestly, it's exhausting to think that we're right back to 2016 when people were talking about how there has to be other solutions to the situation with Northern Ireland. Well, you know, I think we exhausted ourselves over the past four years trying to think or look for other solutions. No, the technology to do invisible technological checks on the border, it does not exist. And I can't believe I'm saying that again in 2021. Oh boy, so... Here we are, where they're trying to absolve themselves of all responsibility. They don't want to take any responsibility for the fact that where we are now is a result of a lot of their actions. But what has been most disappointing for me at the moment is actually seeing how closely the UUP is aligning themselves with the DUP. For anyone that doesn't know, the UUP is the Ulster Unionist Party. They were a pro-Good Friday Agreement party. I should say they still are a pro-Good Friday Agreement party, unlike the DUP. But over the years, the UUP has been aligning themselves more and more with the DUP to the point where both parties are almost indistinguishable. And that's disappointing for me to see the UUP aligning themselves so closely with the DUP. And it's not working well for them in terms of in the polls or in elections. And uh, I think that what's happening is it's driving away a lot of the more liberal and progressive unionists to parties such as the Alliance, who continue to grow in polls and elections. The UUP just aren't seen as a viable, viable option for many liberal and progressive unionists because they keep cozying up with the DUP. Yeah, that's, you know, I'm reluctant to say as bad as the DUP, but like, you're condoning what they do and also more than insinuating that you want to join their club. You are joining their club. So who who of a liberal mindset would want to vote for them if they were anti-DUP to begin with? Exactly. And so here we are with the rise of the anti-Northern Ireland protocol rhetoric. And it has been hot and heavy for a while now. But it has escalated a lot recently with um, intimidation and threats to staff at the ports in Belfast and Larne. What kind of threats? Like, what would they do? I mean, there's been a lot of um, there's a lot of skepticism over the weight of these threats. So I'll run through what kind of happened. Um, The first we hear of it is breaking news. Uh, The staff working at the ports, I mean, these guys are just like doing customs checks between the rest of the UK and Northern Ireland. Uh They get pulled from their posts uh, due to threats. Um, So there was a lot of speculation over what kind of threats were happening. And there was talk about where people's, you know, license plates being taken. We didn't really know what was going on. It was a bit chaotic. License plates being taken. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was one rumor because it turned out that that didn't happen. Okay. So... All of a sudden, the the staff were pulled. And it's important to say that they were pulled by the DUP, uh, who actually hold the minister position for uh, that post. So the DUP pulled staff from the ports. And the next day, the PSNI stated that there were no serious threats and that in reality... 
you know, what we're seeing is graffiti and intimidation from individuals. So what kind of graffiti do they deem like not a threat? Because if you write something like kill all tags, is that what they say? Okay, I, yeah, that, that's what they say. But um, that wasn't targeted at the border staff. Uh, but Wh- that graffiti kind of- apparently is just cool because there was very little said about that. <laughs> But the a lot of the graffiti around the border stuff has been it hasn't been that bad. I mean, it's been of, like what, no what, Irish Sea border and anti-political choices, not anti-individual belief systems or ideologies. Yeah. So as the week progressed, there was more investigating done into the credibility of these threats. Now, of course, any level of threats have to be taken seriously. And if there is threats to people's lives, especially like these people are just doing their jobs. It's insane that they have to put up with this kind of intimidation or, or exactly. fear or don't anxiety. Don't shoot the messenger. They don't make the fucking rules. They're just showing up to work, it's man. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, so, you know, these poor people are just trying to do their job and they're caught up in this this fallout and this fear of potential um, violence because they're doing their job. But also they're caught up in a massive political storm. Mm, And there is some, um, some who have expressed concern that perhaps pulling the staff was more of a political decision than a security decision. Why? Well, because it turned out that the PSNI assessment was that there wasn't necessarily a credible threat and that Edwin Putz, who was the minister in charge, had said to the council that he didn't think the PSNI fully grasped the seriousness of the, of the threats and basically pushed to have this, these staff removed, which is why people have expressed concern that perhaps this was a political move because the DUP said that, well, that's cool that the PSNI thinks there's no threat, but like I do, so yeah. pull those staff. Mm. And... When they pulled the staff, it then created conversations around, well, maybe they, they don't need staff there. You know, look, these checks are not happening now. Maybe they don't need to happen. It kind of feeds into that. And they've they've built up on that, um, the news coverage and the commentary that came from that. They've used that as a way to sort of springboard into these bigger conversations around scrapping the Northern Ireland Protocol. But we'll never really know. So uh, even us right now are just... This is all speculation. This is all here, total so. speculation. Okay. So yeah, disclaimer, that was all speculation. But I'm still <laughs> going to stick to the fact that the DUP is conniving and fuck the DUP. Jake D'Souza! You can't put that in here. You're actually going to have to edit that out. Oh. You can't. You're going to have to edit that. Well, I said something that a lot of other people think and say, and it's on a lot of mugs. You can yes. infer what you want from that. We will we'll leave that there. is that there is now um, a strategic plan that was started by the DUP and that the UUP just fell in line with them to support, which is to scrap the Northern Ireland Protocol, which of course is meant to protect Northern Ireland and the Belfast Good Friday Agreement from the most negative repercussions of Brexit. So they've joined up forces now, UUP and the DUP. And they're joined also by the TUV, who arguably are worse than the DUP. And I know it's hard to be worse, but honestly, it's not great. <laughs> so um, all of the Unis parties are uniting 
in this quest to have the Northern Ireland Protocol scrapped. And they are playing with fire. Because the dangerous rhetoric that they're using right now is stoking a lot of tensions within communities. And it's misleading people. Because let's be real here, the Northern Ireland Protocol is law. It's not going anywhere. I mean, Westminster does not care. Westminster just wants Brexit for the rest of the UK. I mean, we have seen how much of an afterthought Northern Ireland is. And I mean, I don't know if anyone saw the poll that showed that the Conservatives just wouldn't care if Northern Ireland, you know, joined Ireland and became a United Ireland. It's such an afterthought. It's like the, what's that scene from Mad Men everyone always uh, shares where someone's like, well, I'm disappointed in you. And then the response from the other guy is, I don't even think about you. Oh, yes. Oh, that's so perfect. I'm going to use that this week. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're, they've, they've started this strategic plan, you know, and released a five point plan on how to get rid of the Northern Ireland Protocol. And this actually involves not, um, not uh, taking part in any north-south meetings or co- cooperation around the Northern Ireland Protocol, which undermines strand two of the Good Friday Agreement. So this is not small fish stuff here. This is some big things that they're trying to do, and it's quite dangerous. But in terms of their own base, what they're doing is making people believe that the Northern Ireland Protocol can be scrapped, and it can't. It's not going to happen. So they're creating this expectation within communities, within their own base, that this is possible. And when that doesn't happen, there's going to be trouble. We've seen some of the dangerous outcomes of misinformation just in the U.S. I mean, if we look what happened in um, the end of 2020 and into 2021, whenever Trump was so desperately trying to cling to power and literally trying to overthrow democracy just to have his way, uh. I mean, that ended up in to, into such a horrifying act of violence that will leave a stain on U.S. history forever. That's what happened. And that came from misinformation, disinformation. It came from creating divisions, soaking tensions. It was just so driven by this idea that the election was rigged and they had to stop the steal. And it's a similar thing that we're seeing here because it's a, it's a stoking tensions, it's using rhetoric, and it's trying to give people the idea that something has been taken from them and they can get it back if they just try hard Mm. enough. And I think that's really dangerous. And I think that's what we're seeing. And it's almost like there's a similarity too in that Trump was, you know, in the death throes of his presidency and he couldn't deal with that fact. And also, you know, unionism, political unionism is shrinking. It has lost its majority and it continues to lose people from its base. So it's almost like the death throes of political unionism where they're lashing out, trying desperately to cling on to whatever they can, cling on to their grasp and their grip of Northern Ireland, but they can't. Like the T-1000 melting in molten iron. Just like that. Um, also, I was thinking when you mentioned Trump, just the really great sensation that I realized, wow, I haven't thought about Trump in a little while. And it's like, I don't know if you ever played that game where it's just called the game, where the objective of the game is to not think about the game. 
like however long it's been since the last time you thought about playing the game that's how long you've had a, like a, a winning streak of not thinking about the game once you think about the game again you've lost the game you have to start over so i'm probably ruining the game for a lot of people anyone who's familiar with the game you've now lost the game because you're thinking about the game but for me <laughs> the trump thing it's like i'm happy that it was such a long time since i thought about trump uh, i'm disappointed that i lost the trump game you reminded me of trump but i'm also happy that you reminded me about trump because it feels so good to have him just he's so completely irrelevant now <laughs> after being oh god he's like a, t a tumor that we've had removed and it is just so i know it's beautiful. incredible i mean the moment that you know biden became president that was just it. Right. He was gone. Done. Like, like nothing. It like was just like a brand new start. And I also haven't been thinking about Trump um, and free from, you know, the onslaught of just oh, noise yeah. on social media. His Twitter account still is non-existent. And yeah. it's just like a gift to humanity. It is. It feels better. This person better. has been deplatformed. God, I feel, yeah, it feels like decidedly better that there is, he is just completely irrelevant right now, completely unimportant. He did show us really though, in the end of his, in his end of days, <laughs> he, uh, the danger of rhetoric. Yeah. And his, I mean, he, what he did is going to have an impact. That's, this is not to undermine what you were saying. Like he's caused irreparable harm to his party. If you can call it that, uh, to us democracy. And I don't know, he felt like a long drawn out nine 11, but we can just stop thinking about him. He can. He can. I, I mean, I wish I could say the same about here, but unfortunately for all of us, we are going to be caught in this political storm for God knows how long. I mean, yeah. 2021 is all, I mean, we're like a month into the Northern Ireland Protocol and it is just chaos. Like it is chaos. And the reality is the majority of people support the Northern Ireland Protocol. They support the parties that support the Northern Ireland Protocol. The majority of people also didn't vote for Brexit. The majority of people voted for the Good Friday Agreement. I mean, it's just insane how little regard is given to the actual democratic wishes of the people of Northern Ireland. And I think that's a point that really needs to be made, that just because some are louder than others does not mean that they are the majority. There's just no way you could square the numbers here. 56% of the people of Northern Ireland voted to remain part of the European Union. Yeah. So 44% voted for Brexit, and that's not a majority. <laughs> no. <laughs> and yet we're lumped with the negative consequences of Brexit. Right. The worst of them, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, but the SDLP, Alliance, um, Sinn Féin, and parties that are pro-Northern Ireland protocol, they maintain majority support in Northern Ireland. The parties that are against the Northern Ireland protocol are the minority, and yet from the way they're getting on, you would think that they were speaking for all of us. Small dog syndrome. It's, yeah, it's, uh, it's just saying. It's like the... Um, tail that wags the dog oh i've heard yeah that, they yeah. think they are the tail that wags the dog but <laughs> lads you really really are not maybe you're like a nub you're one of those <laughs> poor dogs that have had the tail docked but yeah so to close off the section around what's happening in terms of the tactics of political unionism i mean i think there's an inherent danger in stoking division and spreading misinformation and what we actually really need right now is calm, cool heads and cooperation between all the parties to find workable solutions. 
I mean, I'm not against any kind of solution or derogation or extension of grace periods or any kind of solution that will help ease the struggles that businesses have right now under the Northern Ireland Protocol. Get out but of here I, with your rational and diplomatic suggestions. Well, yeah. I mean, if, if you go by any of the <laughs> radio coverage we've heard <laughs> recently, yeah. rational voices do not often get a platform. No. Um, it's actually really disappointing. And recently we've seen that um, actually loyalist paramilitaries have been given platforms. I mean, people that so actually fun. represent uh, terrorist groups are being platformed. Loyalist terrorist groups That's... and people that are advocating for violence are being platformed and people that are calling for the Good Friday Agreement to be scrapped, which the majority of people here, like 73% of the people here voted for the Good Friday Agreement, people that want to scrap the Good Friday Agreement or peace accord, they are being given airtime. And I mean, I'm talking about a lot of airtime. And it is insane to me that the people that are actually representing the majority of people here, the people who are advocating for peace, for calm heads, for rational thinking, for solutions, like those voices are not being heard. And it's just, it's part and parcel of the problem here. It's part of the reason why we are still so slow to move on and reconcile as a society, because the media is playing a negative part in that. It feeds into the political discourse here. It's all about division. And I mean, it's exhausting as a young-ish person (laughs) (laughs) Um, that this is still what we're dealing with. Um, And it really doesn't, in my view, represent the majority of Northern Ireland who really do just want to reconcile and move on with their lives and have a, you know, a normal society that is not caught up in the, you know, trauma and uh, violence and the division and the segregation that we already endured for decades. Yeah. I mean, let's move on, people. Let's think about the future. Speaking of which, I actually recently did an article on a United Ireland, and that was my first time dipping my toes into the conversation on what the future might look like. And it actually gave me a lot of hope. And I think that when we're concluding this episode, I do want to try and end on that note of hopefulness because it can be very exhausting to see the constant onslaught of political discourse that is just usins versus them ones and, um, you know, is is not... It's it's a hard environment to be in, and it's part of the reason why so many young people move away from here to places unencumbered by this kind of division. And it would be great to see these young people be able to come back and and, and for this to be a society that welcomes them. But I think that there is hope because these people that are so loud right now, they are the minority, and they know they're the minority, which is why they're so loud. Do they know that? I feel like they well, don't know that they're the minority. They're loud and dumb. Like I mean, statistics. Give me the data. I was talking to somebody the other day on social media, and they said that 50-plus percent of the population of Northern Ireland are unionists. And I asked for the data, and of course I didn't get the data for that because I knew it was not true because there's just – it's just – Statistically, that's just not true. I mean, by every election, by every, you know, piece of polling or data or survey, every piece of data shows you that those who identify as unionists are not a majority. 
far from it. And but also, there's this narrative that they do try to put out there where it's like, yes, but we are the majority. And it's like, mate, catch up with the times. Y'all are not the majority anymore. Uh, you know, according to Trump, he still won, right? It's exactly exactly the same. It's the exact same logic. I mean, he uh, lost all of his first round of lawyers because he was, you know, asking that they would go in and continue to argue his case that <laughs> he actually won the election. And uh, whilst I'm sure that those who had already decided to take his case might not have the kind of integrity we'd expect from a legal team, they had enough integrity to walk away from that case because they were not going to argue that in court. Well, poop. Uh, cut again. <laughs> Jake's really not focusing much on this I'm episode. I'm not on my game here. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, so basically, this entire episode has like been 99% me going on to a tangent about political unionism and the state of Northern Ireland's uh, political um, spectrum at the minute. But uh, You could hear the wind rustling as I nodded my head, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, but yes, as I said, I want to close on a positive note. So I understand that a lot of people right now will be struggling um, in terms of, you know, how they feel mentally and emotionally when seeing the constant onslaught from unionism at the moment. Um, and it doesn't create a lot of certainty for this region. It certainly doesn't create certainty for business because they're just trying to find a way to deal with the procedures that are now in place with the protocol. And this calling for the protocol to be scrapped and start from, from scratch with no, no viable option on the table is just asking for chaos. So I know it's exhausting. I know we're tired. I know it feels like there's no end in sight from, you know, the division and the Brexit black hole that has been the last four to five years of our lives. But there really is hope because, as I say, these people are the minority. They're not the majority. And the majority of people here are moving forward. And that, you know, rights-based society that was envisioned in the Good Friday Agreement is absolutely within our grasp because young people are coming up and they want a rights-based society and they're the ones that are going to bring it forward. So I want to try to close by saying that there is hope. Don't give up. Don't let them get you down. And remember that... Uh, there is a light at the end of the channel. Get it? Because it's the UK <laughs> to Europe. Oh, boy. The European <laughs> Union is there and then the UK is at the other end. It's like the... Okay, moving on. Uh, but yeah, there's there's hope. I'm going to close actually with a line from Bill Clinton that many people will have heard me quote before because one of my favorite lines from 1998, whenever the Good Friday Agreement passed... He said that in the days to come, there will be those who will try to undermine this great achievement. Some with words, but others also maybe with violence. All the parties and all of us must stand shoulder to shoulder to defy any such appeal. And that's what we must do. You just did that without even looking at anything. I mean, I have said it so many times. <laughs> <laughs> I have memorized that quote without even really realizing that I was doing it. I realized um, recently whenever I said it for like a, a short video on my social media, I was like, dang, I have memorized this quote. You're like me with my work script. That's... <laughs> but it's because it just, I feel it so much inside. Like it's just, those words are are perfect because it's true. Like there are those who are trying to undermine the great achievement and the great work that we have done over the last two decades. Therein lies, in my view, 
the true agenda of those who are trying to get the Northern Ireland Protocol scrapped. Those who are trying to get a hard Brexit in Northern Ireland. I think that the true agenda is pretty clear uh, from here. (laughs) And that what we need to do as a society is stand, as Bill Clinton said, shoulder to shoulder to defy these appeals because we can't let the bad guys win. But don't literally stand shoulder to shoulder with everybody because the logistics of that will cause major problems and and will... Practice social distancing. Yeah, that'll... (laughs) So, yeah. So thank you for uh, listening to this episode of the Hollywood to Hollywood podcast. This has been Jake in a very diminished role and <laughs> and Emma in uh, a much larger role than normal. Well, you're usually uh, leading these anyway, so I'm more of the like hype hype man. So, but uh, I was barely even a hype man tonight. So again, apologies. <laughs> uh, next time we will be talking about a. Give me whatever consonant is the correct one and I'll continue into a vowel. You. 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 Uvula. You. Uranus. You. Tube. YouTube. You. Yu Gi Oh! I'm nodding my head disapprovingly. I've failed. Um. You know, just completely out of character here. Emma, I'm going to let you cover this one. You tell me what what you're (laughs) going to talk about. Uh, In the next episode, we are going to be talking about the future. So it will be a positive episode talking about the changes that may be ahead for us on the island of Ireland, spurred on by Brexit and I think a little bit by political unionism. Next episode will be on a united Ireland. Uh, (laughs) That was the next one I was going to say. Why did you interrupt me? (laughs) My God. Uh, So join us next time. We hope you enjoyed this rant about uh, politics in Northern Ireland right now. As I say, stay positive, stay safe, practice social distancing. Light at the end of the channel.